Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Sue. So we've uh, made it to the end of 1 Peter. We've been uh, preaching through for a while. Do catch up with any you've missed online. Uh, Simon last week kind of delved into the final points, uh, but I'm going to finish up in a perhaps slightly different way. He went deep into the theology. I'm going to discuss what we should wear. So, with your next-door neighbour, I would like you to tell them your favourite item of clothing and why. Go. Okay, who didn't have a favourite item of clothing? A few of you who had a favourite one. Mine's my pyjamas. I love my pyjamas. Who else pyjamas? Brilliant. There is one item of clothing, though, that has been well-worn in our house over the last few weeks. If anyone has a camera phone to take a photograph of the screen right now and send it to Simon Harris, please do. You'll understand in one moment. But this top has been worn more than anything in our house. I'm very sorry to my Welsh fans who, who fought valiantly this morning, but they lost against South Africa, which is good because that means me and Simon will still be talking next Sunday morning. But England are through! And me and Sam could not be happier. We watched the match yesterday from behind the sofa. This T-shirt, though, that he is wearing, I hope you can see it on either side, is his England shirt, which I was thrilled to buy him. And you can see he's a little bit happy about the result of yesterday. But that T-shirt got me thinking about this passage. I know, that's how my mind works. You see, we're going to think about what outliers wear. Because this last passage here talks about a number of items of clothing. You see, the kit that Sam is wearing there tells us quite a lot about Sam and about our family. You see, it tells us what he's identifying with. He's an England supporter. Hurrah, I have done well as a parent. He is identifying with his country. He's also telling us what he enjoys doing. He loves watching rugby. He loves kicking a rugby ball. He quite likes football as well, but we'll let him off. This top, though, also is very practical. Apart from being white, I have used a lot of bleach in the last couple of weeks, but it dries really quickly. It's made of the material that actually, if he was playing rugby, it would be very, very useful for us. But it also tells us what he loves to do and supports us. Our clothing often says a lot about us. The fact that my pyjamas are my favourite item of clothes tells you that I'm actually quite a slob. I would happily put them on at six o'clock most evenings and cuddle up in front of the fire. This final part of 1 Peter 
tells us about three kinds of clothing that we need to learn about. It talks about clothing to serve. It talks about clothing to fight. And it talks about clothing that we will wear when we get into eternity. You'll find it really helpful to have 1 Peter chapter 5 open. Uh, obviously, no big screen here, so there won't be that much on there. This is a cute photo I thought you'd like to see, but uh, we, we'll have a few things on there. But you will find it really helpful to have 1 Peter chapter 5 open. What do outliers wear? Well, this first verse that we find in chapter 5, verse 5, says, You younger people, that's all of us, you're okay, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. This little word clothed in the Greek is not used very often in Scripture, but it is used in a very significant passage. It's used in John 13, verse 4, which obviously you all know. It's used in the story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. It says that Jesus took off his outer garments and put on what is described as an apron or a towel around his waist. It's a little word that literally means he put on the robe of a servant, that he became submitted to the ones that he was serving. When Jesus put that towel around his waist, he got on his knees and he washed his disciples' feet. If we are to be outliers in this world, the first thing we need to wear is a garment of service. If we are going to literally show God's love, then we need to submit to God and to serve in the way that blesses God and blesses our communities. This passage talks about us wearing humility, be clothed in humility. So what does humility mean? Well, I had a little look. There are a number of definitions, but this is one that I found really helpful. The marks of humility are the willingness to perform the lowest and littlest acts of service for Jesus. The willingness to perform the lowest and littlest acts of service for Jesus. Secondly, though, to be very conscious of our own inability to do anything apart from God. To know that in God, as we submit to him, we are capable of all things, but only with God. Humility is about clothing ourselves in submission to God. Wearing the apron of service. Wearing that daily submission and saying, God, I will do whatever you ask of me today. But if you look in verse 7, it goes on to say some lovely words, doesn't it? It reminds us that in submission, we are not just giving our whole selves to God in serving him, but that God is carrying our burdens. 
The great teacher and preacher Spurgeon tells a wonderful little story in his uh, uh, book around one Peter. He uses the illustration of a man who comes to move furniture in your house. He arrives and he's carrying his own massive, heavy backpack, some kind of rucksack. He complains because as he tries to move the furniture, he can't because he's already held back by his own backpack. The man in the story goes on to suggest, wouldn't it be easier if you could move the furniture without the heavy bag on your back? Spurgeon says, in the same way, we cannot do God's work when we're weighed down by our own burdens and worries. Cast them upon him and then take on the Lord's burden, which is a light burden and a yoke that fits us perfectly. To be clothed, ready to serve others, we need to submit to God and lay our own rucksacks down. As outliers, we're not called to carry rucksacks. We're called to give our rucksacks to Jesus, who will take our burdens away. And then we're told to put on the apron of service. We know that uh, from all our last six months of looking at this passage that these early Christians were persecuted. Some of them were even fed to lions, killed in so many different ways. Their families were persecuted and they were persecuted. Can you imagine reading these words? Come to me. Come to me and lay your burdens down. As we serve God and serve our communities, it must begin with a full submission to God and saying, have all that burdens me and carries me down. So a question that I'd just like us to pause with for a moment, a couple of questions here. This is just time for you on your own. I'm not going to ask you to talk about it with anyone. But what does daily submission to God mean to you? And what does putting on those clothes of humility, of service, mean for you today? Or maybe the backpack bit got you. What backpack do you need to put down and leave with God? And say, God, this burden's too heavy to carry on my own. I give it to you. Let's just have a moment of silence. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So the second item of clothing, we talk about uh, kind of in the second part, which I thought Sue read brilliantly. Uh, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. The second item of clothing that we need to have is a soldier's armour. A soldier's armor. We need to be dressed, ready for battle. Why? Because the enemy, the devil, is prowling around like a lion. And the enemy's goal is to devour, not to lick or nibble you. There's, there's no nibbling mentioned here. It is a devouring. That's not very pleasant. We were at the zoo the other week, saw the uh, feeding of the tigers. It's not pleasant. My kids thought it was great, but I thought it was gross. Anyway, the enemy's goal is to devour. 
And the enemy's goal is to stop us doing what I've just been talking about, submitting to God and allowing God to take our burdens. The enemy's goal is to distract and to actually increase the weight in the backpack, to distract us from submitting to God and keeping our eyes fixed on him. I've been rereading these screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis. If you haven't read them, do. We're listening to them on audiobook, which is a great way of really capturing the story that C.S. Lewis was trying to talk about. Have a read yourself. But basically, it opened my eyes again to the subtleties and the gameplay that the devil likes to have. I could talk a lot about this, and we have in the past. Have a read of the screw tape letters. Maybe we'll talk about it again. But I want us today to think about what we need to wear for the battle that we're in. You see, the battle needs full armor. Now, you might find it really helpful to go to Ephesians chapter 6 right now. Ephesians chapter 6. Let's find the page number. Hang on. Mm -hmm. I make it 1,177, 1,177. You probably know this passage really well. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And then it goes on to talk about what this armor looks like. Now, you might know this really, really well. I'm sorry if I'm repeating it, but I felt it was really important for us to think about what that armor looks like today and to ask ourselves the question, which part of the armor of God am I needing to wear this week? Let's have a little think. The first thing that's mentioned here is a belt of truth. Now, you can see on my little picture, the picture of the belt goes round the middle. It's not actually a part of the armour. They could wear any kind of belt that they would like. It's actually, though, one of the most important things because it stops everything else from falling down. If you've ever read The Smartest Giant in Town, you will understand. You see, this belt went round their middle and held everything else, their equipment, their undergarments, their top garments, in place. It is the most essential part for keeping everything right place. So the Bible here describes it as the belt of truth. What is one of the most essential parts of keeping everything about the Christian life in the right place? It's the truth of who you are and who God is. The belt of truth needs to be around our middle so that everything else works. To know the truth of who God is, to know the truth of who I am because of who God is, actually is our foundation of what we should be wearing. Then goes on to talk about the breastplate of righteousness. Now, a breastplate covers up all your major organs. It's life or death to have your breastplate on in a battle situation. And it reminds us that our righteousness is about what God has done for us. It's about living in the grace and thankfulness of who God is and what he's done. 
It's not about boasting and saying, I'm able to survive this battle or I'm doing this on my own. It's about making sure we are thankful for what God has done, that I am able to live holy, free, righteous because of what God has done for me. Then we've got the good news shoes. The good news shoes. Isaiah 52 verse 7 says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, and who proclaims salvation. I was reading this week that Roman soldiers used to sleep with their shoes on so that they were ready. Ready for whatever might attack in the night. Ready whatever might come in the morning. What does it mean for us to have good news shoes? It means that we need to be ready to bring peace, to proclaim God's good news to the world, to be ready to share his blessings with everyone and to speak of his salvation and to live in his salvation. So we've got a belt, we've got a breastplate, we've got shoes, but we also need that big shield. It's a good big shield, that one. But the shield isn't a, uh, something that just protects us from, from uh, arrows that come at us. It says here in uh, Ephesians 6 that it protects us from the fiery arrows. So bear with me. That massive great big shield you would have hidden behind. And can you imagine a whole load, an army all together hiding behind that shield? But the thing that would happen is a fiery arrow would come and it would cause panic and confusion because what were these shields made out of? Wood. What happens when fire and wood get together? It burns. So can you imagine being stood there in army position with a fiery arrow coming at you? It's going to cause you to panic. Well, unless you're braver than me. Because actually, a whole load of shields catching a light is not a good plan. But the Bible here says that the shield of faith stops the fiery arrows. It extinguishes them. So the shield of faith is saying to God, I take hold of the truth that you have told me I'm not going to panic in the face of trial of all the troubles that are coming because I know that you're going to extinguish the fiery arrows, not just protect me from them. I know that you're going to wipe them out and I am standing firm in your truth and I'm trusting you in this moment. That shield is really important. It's the truth of God that protects us. What about the helmet? Now, he hasn't got a helmet on. He's got it underneath his arm. He can see it. But I wouldn't go to battle without your head protected. If you listen to nothing else, take that with you. The helmet of salvation protects us from discouragement against the desire to give up. It protects us to give, uh, from giving up on hope. It helps us know that we are saved and that we will be safe in God's hands. From reading the screw tape letters again, I realized that one of the ways that Satan tries to play with me is to discourage me. That he likes to just offer that word of discouragement and that seed is planted and it grows in my mind. And I think about it. I'll get into bed at night and I'll think about it and I'll be discouraged. 
The helmet of salvation protects our mind, which is one of the biggest battlefields from lies. Bear with me. We're just going to look at the sword of the spirit. I have a seven-year-old who had another seven-year-old for a sleepover last night, and they both had lightsabers. It was messy. I was trying to watch Strictly. They were having a fight in the lounge. It didn't go well. They were having a great time practicing. They were teaching each other little lightsaber moves. It was impressive, apart from I was trying to watch Strictly. An army soldier would have fought with their shield a million times before they even got to battle. They would have fought so hard. They would have practiced. They would have trained. They would have day and day after day practiced with that sword. We need to know this thing. It says that the Bible is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. How well do you know this? When I was a kid, we used to have to remember Bible verses. I still remember them now. That's why songs with great theology and truth and and direct quotes from the Bible are so helpful. We need to know our Bible because this is our sword. We need to know God's word daily for us through doing soap, through Bible reading tools, through being friends with people who are going to encourage you in God's word. I love people who text me little Bible verses They're like just gifts to me to say, Claire, this is the verse for today. Hold to it. God gives us a whole armor so that we can fight, so that we can stand firm and resist. So if you go back to 1 Peter, having been in Ephesians 6, it says stand firm and resist. You've got the whole armor of God on you. You've got the whole army of God with you. We can stand strong against that lion who's actually a pussycat when we fix our eyes on Jesus. I don't know why, but I seem to have been reading a lot of Spurgeon, but I'm going to like to quote, Be more prayerful every time Satan is more active. He will soon give up. If he finds that his attacks drive you to Christ... Often, Satan is nothing but a big black dog to drive Christ's sheep nearer nearer to the master. Often, Satan is nothing but a big black dog to drive Christ's sheep nearer to the master. Fix your eyes on him. Wear his armor. Stand firm and resist. So, another question. Which part of the armor of God is God speaking to you about today? There are some times in my life where I really have to know that I am putting the helmet of salvation on my head every morning. When I'm feeling discouraged, when I'm feeling at sea, I have to literally say, okay, God, I am putting your helmet on to protect my mind today. I need to know God's truth in my ears, not the discouragement that my mind is telling me. Which part of the armor do you need to put on this week? So, we're clothed to serve. We're clothed for the battle. But finally, we're clothed for eternal glory.
this final uh, couple of verses, 10 and 11. And the, grace, and the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. See, we're coming to the end of this book, and we're clearly reminded of the hope that is coming, of the eternal glory that we have in Christ. And the beginning of this little passage talked about wearing a crown, which refers to what we then read in Revelation chapter 7 and in Revelation chapter 3. We're clearly reminded that one day we're going to be dressed in a white robe with a crown on our head. Revelation 7, for example. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and standing before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out, as we did in our opening songs, salvation belonged to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. You see, we might be in a battle now. We might be facing all kinds of troubles. That rucksack might feel quite big. But we do need to constantly give ourselves to God, constantly hand our troubles over to him in the knowledge that one day we get a new wardrobe. Will it involve Jimmy Choo shoes? I doubt it. But it'll be a beautiful robe with a crown because we belong to God And God is our king, and we are his people. God is our father, and we are his children. One day, we're going to have amazing robes and crowns ready for a party. We're going to have the opportunity to be free from all of the troubles of today and to live freely with our Father in heaven. And so how can I live with the hope of eternity in my life this week? How can I share that hope with others? It's a question for us all to think about. You see, we've got the glimpse of eternity in our eyes. And we know that one day, one day we'll be closer with him than we have ever, ever known. Wearing those amazing robes and ready for a party. So how can you live this week in the knowledge of eternity? How can you share that hope with someone else? Because boy, does this world need hope. So we've come to the end of 1 Peter. We've thought about the encouragement that this book is to us, aliens living in a strange land. Sometimes we can feel really discouraged, can't we, by looking around even our roads, our streets, certainly watching the news. But we've got a commission from God to be light in the darkness. We've got a commission from God to be outliers, those who speak the truth of God, who live for him, living in submission to him and being the voice of good news in our dark world. But as we go as outliers, we are dressed. We're dressed ready to serve. We're dressed ready to fight. And we're dressed with the knowledge of eternity in our lives. So what is God saying to you today 
As you've heard what I've said, if you think back over the last sermon series, what is God saying to you? I'm going to ask the band to come up. And we're going to sing together, He Will Hold Us Fast. Such a beautiful song. It would be great if you can see the words, uh, so you might want to move, because this is such a rich song that says, actually, I'm going to clothe myself in the way that you clothe me. And I know that you are with me. I know that you are for me. And as I go in your name, I know, I know that you're going to hold me fast in whatever I may face. Let's stand together, shall we? And let's sing these words.